Welcome to the Engaged Prospect podcast. My name is Dan Hirsch. I am founder and president of Engaged Prospect. And today I have with me someone I've been looking forward to speaking with for a long time. Trish Bertuzzi is founder and CEO of The Bridge Group. Um, Trish started this company in 1998, has been a speaker for many years, including um, several years in a row at Dreamforce. She's a best-selling author. We'll get into her book shortly and is one of LinkedIn's top sales voices and women's sales pro advisor. Trish, welcome to the Engaged Prospect podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Very glad to have you. Um, as, as I mentioned shortly before we started this uh, discussion, the sales development playbook, your book, it's yeah. been really, really important to the development actually of engaged prospects. So I'm really thrilled to have you here. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm really proud of the book. Um, it came out in January of 2016. Um, I think it still is extremely relevant, although potentially maybe I need a chapter on COVID and how it's impacted sales <laughs> development, but who knew even in my wildest dreams, who could have ever envisioned something like this? But yeah, very proud of the book. That's fantastic. And um, I, I, I know it doesn't matter anything coming from me, but boy, I read it on an airplane, I think, flying out to visit family in Phoenix and thought, boy, I just started a business that has a lot of similar, I, similar concepts. And this is just fleshing everything out even in more detail. Um, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the book all day here, but to frame any of this conversation for the listeners, um, it is March 31st, 2020. So we're right in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis. We will certainly be talking a lot about things not related to the current climate, but there may be some things that, that are perfect timing to discuss sales development within the, the climate of everybody working from home and trying to figure out how to prospect and how to manage teams. It's all, it's all part of Trisha's book. So t tell us a little bit about, about what sales development is and, and what you wrote about. So sales development in our world um, is the front end of the sales process. They're the people that are responsible for either generating introductory meetings or qualified opportunities for your sales organization. So um, they're usually first or second job out of college. So they're challenged. Not only are they challenged because they don't have the experience that your AEs have, but also getting buyers to engage with us has become the hardest part of the sales process. So it's a tough job. It's a lucrative job. It's an exciting job. It's a perfect entree into sales. Um, but yeah, sales development is big function and it deserves a lot of respect. Sometimes it's even harder than taking an opportunity from that first meeting to close. Getting people engaged is very challenging for those who haven't done it listening to this show. Oh, absolutely. What, what I, I know this was um, a relatively newer function um, at some point. Tip, typical historic sales. Salesperson is in charge of a territory and goes out 
eats what he or she kills, so to speak, and is responsible for the entire process from the initial hello all the way through close. What, what do you think kind of started this movement? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, um, I was in sales development 30 years ago, only we used to call it telemarketing. So I don't think that sales development is a new function. Now, once again, I have a, a very singular lens. I mostly work with B2B tech companies, but I mean, telemarketing in the B2B space has been, been around forever. What I think has happened in the last decade or so is that it's become professionalized, if that's even a word, but sort of become more structured, more defined, more respected. So I think that's been the shift, but the, the role itself has been around forever. I always say, yeah, I'm an overnight success, 30 years in the making. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't say it changed nine years ago, since, <laughs> since that is a role you held. What, what has changed in the past 30 years? Certainly, we've, we've seen a thousand changes with technology, but the, the role has changed slightly, right, in how you approach the, the function itself? Well, I mean, I think it's changed in that before buyers had all the, inf I mean, sellers had all the information, like before mm. social media, before websites, before um, video, before white papers, you know, before sellers were the ones that said, hey, I know something you don't know, and I'd love to share it with you. And buyers would say, okay, come in and you can share it with me. Well, that shift happened. Um, and now buyers have a ton of information at their fingertips. So buyers are more aware than ever before of who we are, if we, especially if we have a brand, and potentially they have some sense for the value we can bring to them or not, depending. So um, buyers, you know, they're not as willing now to give away their time as they were when giving away that time meant them they, they would learn something new. So certainly. Yeah. And also, you know, if you look at buyers, buyers are getting younger and younger, right? People who make decisions. Millennials, they don't want to see anyone face to face. They want to engage with you using phone, web, and social media. They like the whole face to face interaction is like, why? And now as we sit here in 2020, face-to-face <laughs> -face interaction is now not only professionally uh, not warranted, but also personally not warranted. We all have to learn how to communicate using the different tools at our disposal, both in our personal lives and in our professional lives as well. So it's a, it's a big sea change. That, that's really interesting. And, and certainly in today's climate with what we're dealing with with COVID-19, there's that's exacerbated. We're we're being shown if we don't if we don't know those changes and we're not ready to we haven't made the adapt the adaptation. We're sitting in, literally in our living room saying, "What do we do all day? I can't go visit customers. I yeah. can't go knock on doors and prospect." Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you can. Well, you can't go visit customers and you can't knock on doors, but you can still engage with them. But the way you engage with them has to be different. Like now is the time to really think about your message and your value proposition and think, who am I selling to? If I'm selling to a massively impacted um, vertical, like if I'm selling to restaurants or hotels or cruise lines or, you know, healthcare to some extent, or if, you know, prof you know, professional services, businesses, SMBs that might be reeling from this, you need to think about, okay, if I'm selling to a massively impacted vertical, now is the time for me and my business to think about where else can I go? I can't just give up the ship. I can't just say, no, I can't sell to these people anymore. Does what I'm selling translate to a different vertical? It's, you know, on, on the one hand, it's a, ugh, it's, it's awful that these industries are being decimated, but the smart companies have to learn how to pivot. And I think pivot is going to be the word of 2020. You need to pivot who you mm. sell to. You need to pivot your message. You need to pivot how you sell. And those people who can figure out the pivot strategy are the people who are going to come out the other end of this, um, you know, with a nice bounce. Really interesting. I, I'm doing a, a seminar um, a little bit later this evening for the Pittsburgh. I, I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it's the Pittsburgh Young Professionals uh, Networking Organization. And the, the topic is growth managing growth during COVID-19. So we're talking about two things. One is what do you do with your current customers, right? There's a lot of questions around that. People are trying to get out of contracts. People are, are asking to change, whether it's terms or service or whatever. Um, and then prospecting and find, finding new. Yeah. And, and the, the pivoting is, is interesting. I, I, I wrote in a bullet point, I said, I think the word pivot, so I, I agree, that's uh, hashtag pivot. And number two, that I, I don't know if this is necessarily true across the board, but I said your value proposition from three weeks ago is not the same. And I'd put all my chips on the table to say that your, your value prop has likely changed. Um, it, it has. You know, my, it has. Yeah. And, and because, the, because the customer has changed. Without, without changing any fundamental components of their business, obviously a cruise line would be slightly different, right? They're, they're, they're decimated currently, but even businesses still in operation and still functioning, their, their needs, the decision makers' needs, their personal beliefs, every, everything has kind of morphed and <laughs> sellers need to be able to approach them with that empathy and understanding. Oh my God, look at SMB. How many small businesses are there in this country? I mean, SMB is the largest population of businesses there are. People are hanging on by their fingernails, not only trying to keep their doors open, but trying not to lay off their personnel, you know, trying to do everything they can to figure out how to keep the wheels on the bus and keep their business family whole. So we can't call them like we used to and go, have you thought about buying a new copier? <laughs> Now's a good time. 
Now would be a, you know, you know what I mean? We really, absolutely. We, we need to think about that and think about our message and think about the challenges that these people are facing and pivot. That's, that's the only word I can think of. I love that. So, so let's say I'm in sales development. Let's, mm -hmm. let's pretend for a moment that I have a team of people in sales development mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're wondering what in the world to, you're going to, you're going to build my tomorrow's training program, by the way, um, right here. Okay. <laughs> so let's say I make, make believe I have a sales development team that's calling into um, organizations and they're, they're employed to do that. And certainly, certainly they want to keep performing and, and build pipeline for when we get to the recovery phase of this mess, which could be June, could be September, who knows. What, what do you, so like business doesn't shut down. The value prop changes, the way you're reaching out to people changes. How do you think the conversation changes? You're right about the copier. That would fall on deaf ears. But there are things I would imagine you could be talking about to help the, the customers that you call on, no? It depends. Like what if, you're, what if your company is selling copiers and that's all you got, <laughs> you know? It really, it really depends, you know, like once again, I have a very singular lens and then I, I work with B2B tech companies, but you know, some of these companies are in the remote workspace. I've got to think Zoom is like having a field day um, nowadays with hmm. their you uh, know, <laughs> remote capabilities and you well, know, uh, what? Well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yes, I'm going to tie in something you said a minute ago, just a real quick story. So Zoom, so yes, the, the newer generations, I'm 38 for context, and okay. I chose a few days ago to uh, clearly couldn't walk to the Zoom offices, but I, I had a question. There was a recording that I needed that wasn't, I couldn't find it. Yeah. And I logged into Zoom and I could call them, email them, or go to live chat. I wanted, I chose the route of live chat. Trish, there were 592 people in front of me in queue. Yeah. Yeah. Five, 592 yeah. people. Well, I did not get my recording. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's strange times we live in. So um, I'm living in my home in Florida for the winter and, you know, it's a golf community and I work all day long in my streaming capabilities. I have no problem with Zoom or any other um, work-related technology I hope to use. Come 5.30 when people start streaming and binge watching, man, have we got a different situation going on over here. So, I mean, I think we're all <laughs> dealing with the, you know, the realities of what it's like for everyone to be requiring, um, the same services at the same time. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, so let's, let's back up and let, so we're talking certainly how, how the world has changed both yeah. current currently with, you know, the events of the coronavirus and also, also because of technology, because buyers have changed over the years, um, all of those things. Talk, talk to us, a little bit about the, the various components. Um, you could answer this in one of, in either way, but your, your book has several different parts to it. And 
sales development in general has many different components. You mentioned telemarketing earlier. It seems to me it's so much more than that these days. Um, I'm not sure which way you'd like to answer that, but I'm curious kind of how you see the, the holistic view of the role. Well, I think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? First of all, you have to figure out what am I trying to accomplish with this function? And, and typically what you're trying to accomplish will fall into two buckets. One bucket is my team means needs more at bats. They just, once we get into a conversation, we're great at closing. All we need is that door open, that introductory call, get me the at bats, get me as many at bats as you can. I'm going to money ball the heck out of my revenue number and away we go right? The other bucket is we don't need that many at-bats. We need highly qualified meetings. I need to know what do they have in place? Are they open to change? Um, how many people do I need to talk to? Who's going to make the decision? Whatever the criteria is that um, equates to a qualified opportunity or a qualified meeting, some people want that because they're sitting, maybe they have a high price tag, maybe they have a long sales cycle, their salespeople don't have time for lots of at-bats that may or may not go anywhere. They want qualified meetings. So I think you have to make a decision, what am I going to do with this function based on what you're trying to accomplish? Uh, you, you mentioned resources, right? Or um, actually you said things like, things like high price tags, long sales cycles, I've seen, and in fact was introduced to the industry that my business is in because um, my sales reps were, were whole, whole service from hello to close and, and renewal. So their, their job was to manage a territory and own everything they started. Yeah. What we found in a positive way, we doubled in size pretty quickly. So now we had twice as many customers. And the sales team started focusing their entire energy on the customer base, right? I worked so hard to get these, right? Um, education technology. So I worked so hard to get these school districts to sign up. Um, I'm definitely not going to let them fall apart at the first of the school year, right? right. So what went away? Prospecting. <laughs> we, we had no new opportunities, no swings of the bat. So for us, we, we actually had several of what you mentioned. We had long sales cycles. We had a potentially large ticket price on the solutions that we were selling. And we didn't have any time to do that hard work in the first place. I, I would imagine there are many, you mentioned, you mentioned technology as the sector that you mostly work in, right? Yes you probably have found with some of your smaller organizations, I would, I would imagine that many entrepreneurs and business owners are, are technical in nature in that, in that sector. Of course. When you have a technical, when you have a technical owner or a technical vice president of sales, it's, I would imagine, um, common that those people aren't hoping to get on the phone and be on the phone all day, every day, identifying new, potential opportunities. Right. Was there a question that I missed? <laughs> Am I being dense? Of course, the phone is still really important. What, what other 
what other components um, do you see for sales development in particular? They don't need proposal software. They don't need various other tools. But what other what other components are you seeing them outfitted with and, and do you kind of work with every day? Well, they need a great CRM, right? So that's data. They need great data. The better the data, the more effective your sales development team. They need some type of sales engagement technology um, that helps them stay focused and executing a process. They need, I mean, they don't need a lot. They need a great work environment. You know, this work from home thing, you know, sitting on your couch, hunched over a laptop, not good. You know, I'd like to see companies give people like a home office stipend so people can get, you know, some type of stand-up desk or double monitors or whatever the case may be. This, you know, I think people thought we we're going to work at home for a couple of weeks and that's not going to be the instance. So let's get real about helping our people set up a work environment that's both physically and production-wise uh, appropriate for the work we're asking them to do. Mm. Do you do you see a lot of teams have their sales, regardless of coronavirus, do you see a lot of teams working remotely? Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Especially since when sales development really took off, um, the, the demand for talent far outstripped the supply. So in the major metro areas, it was almost impossible to hire a team. So once people, I think, got their process and message to the point where it was repeatable and scalable, they started considering the option of hiring remotely and many did. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and what challenges come from that? Clearly um, you've laid out uh, something I, I've never considered, which um, I need to, if, if we're going to be working from home for a while, but give, giving them a home office stipend makes total sense. Getting them comfortable in an environment they can perform in is important. Um, I assume, I assume managing these employees, um, various, various other kind of support functions change a little bit with remote work too. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to know how to communicate with a remote team, like both as a group and individually. So, you know, that's not something that we teach our managers um, typically. Typically they're on the floor with their teams and that's no longer the case. And not everybody's comfortable with managing remotely. So we've got to investigate, um, take a real hard look at our managers and say, you know, what do you need? What, what skills do you need um, to enable you to do that? What I liked about your book is it, it doesn't only talk about your um, about the role itself. It talks about all of the support functions, the uh, a variety of things. It, if it's okay, I'm gonna. It's six parts, correct? Yep. Believe it or not, um, I didn't memorize my own book, so and I don't have it in <laughs> front of me, but it is six well, parts. But believe it or not, I do have it in front of me. Actually, oh, you feel actually believe it or not. No, check this out. I, so, so it was, uh, I don't know. We, we started this, um, people won't, listening won't know. We started at three o'clock in the afternoon and at about one thirty, I 
came upstairs from my from my kitchen, right, and had a cup of coffee in my hand. And I thought, ah, oh, crap. Trisha's book is in my on the bookshelf in my office, and I'm not in the office, and I'm not allowed to go to the office. So that stinks. But I do have, <laughs> um, actually, full full disclosure, I have like 40 copies of that book in our office, but but not with me. I do have it, however, on your website. And what I liked about it was it, it laid out um, it laid out a really good not only process and understanding of all of the components, but you you don't just talk about the role. And, and here's what the strategy is: part one, part two is specialization. How companies are specializing and segmenting prospects, specializing roles, and kind of building that together. Um, then it gets into this support that I was talking about. You talk about recruiting, yeah, retention of employees, execution, and leadership. I'm, I'm curious, and, and this may be a tough question. You wrote it five years ago, um, talked about it probably a million times. But do you have, do you have a part that you still think about? Like that was, that was it right there. Like that's, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm asking. I'm not a professional interviewer, but yeah. any of those six, like stand out to you as this strategy, was definitely strategy. Yeah. Like, I think strategy combined with role specialization, because I think that, you know, the cradle to grave salesperson is never going to be as productive as a specialized salesperson. So like having someone who's focused on top of funnel, having someone who's focused on taking middle of funnel and bringing it to closure, having someone who's focused on expansion and retention. I think role specialization in sales makes people so much more productive than they could be if they were asking the same person to wear all those different hats. Hmm. But there's not a, there's not a, yeah, there's not a one size fits all strategy for specialization. You really have to think about, you know, what you're selling, who you're selling to, what's the process look like? What's the buyer journey look like? There's, you know, you really need to think it through. That's, that's fantastic insight. Um, for, for perspective, for the entrepreneurs that are listening to this who aren't um, card-carrying salespeople from way back when, yep. the, the, each, each piece that Trish laid out, whether it's, whether it's top of funnel, bringing the middle of funnel to closure, or retention, upsell, add-on sales renewals, each one of those three has about 30 different unique, some are crossovers, of course, but 30 different skill sets that are required in each one. Right. Many times, and this is like old school, but you're, you're on the road field rep that is wonderful at building relationships and whining and dining customers, and they know everything about the accounts and the history and, and the product itself. They are the absolute, um, absolutely stereotyping too, but they don't, they don't want to put notes into a CRM and they don't have a process and they don't have a, a rhythm at all. They, they just, they're people, people, right? They want to go out and shake hands and close deals. The, the top of funnel work. So the, the topic we're talking about mostly is sales development that requires literally 20 or more unique skill sets that you could spend days training. Don't you think? I think you could spend days training or you could hire well and Ooh. get 15 of them and then only have to train on five. 
Oh, I think, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think in the olden days, people would say, I'm just going to go hire a bunch of young, hungry reps and have them pound the phones. Oh, God, that is never going to work anymore. I mean, you really need to hire specifically for the role, specifically for your buyer type, um, specifically for what you're selling, who you're selling to. I think people just hire bodies and don't invest enough time in really thinking through, is this, like, what are all the skills? How do I interview for those skills? How do I test for those skills? And then how do I onboard to make up the deficit? So I'm kind of into that part of my conversation with a lot of my clients lately. And um, I think that's going to be the next frontier. I love that. Um, quick, quick side note. Do you advocate, I, certainly you don't need to do any product placement here, but do you, do you advocate for assessment tools and various um, other HR pieces when it comes to sales development? Uh, full disclosure, I am a partner of an assessment company called Objective Management Group, the only true ah. sales assessment. Yep. Okay. How how about that for turning around the product placement <laughs> request? <laughs> I know, right? okay. Thank well, you. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> All right. So go check that out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, I ask because I'll tell you through my journey, I... I was probably like so many other people, which is why I'm willing to fall on the sword. Um, I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world for a long time and that my gut was way better than science. And yeah. in all fairness, I, I do have a couple degrees. I, I, I do believe in science, but I just thought like, I don't know. I, I couldn't get over it, get over it. And my experience I thought was better. And then I realized I was wrong. <laughs> and, and we have used, certain tools for a while also um, naturally I don't think it's the only and I'm sure your your business would say this too but it's not the only way to recruit you also need the human element and the interview oh, process a variety of things right you need, and but, I think you hit that you need a process so many people hire and they're like oh I liked him no I didn't like him oh I liked him <laughs> you know you know what I mean like what what is your process? How do you compare notes? How do you collect information? How do you pass the baton so the next person doesn't ask the same questions you? I mean, that whole thing, I'm telling you, we all need to take, once we start hiring again, and at some point we will, maybe now is the time to be looking at your process to make sure, you know, I, I used to say to my clients, you're just hiring people. I'm like, I'm like, you're going with the theory that bad breath is better than no breath at all. You're just looking to put, you know, butts in seats. What are you doing? So maybe if we had a little time to think about this, now would be a great time to do so. And now is, now is the right time for sure. Yeah. Do you, so, you, you know, you, you brought up the butts in seats and, and just hire, hire someone that, has five and train them 15 concept, right? And, and that's certainly not ideal. You, you also early in this call talked about um, the, the person that fits this role really well. First, second job out of school, has some, you know, certain, certain characteristics, certain experience, but also is super hungry. And, and this is a great entryway into other, other paths within 
the sales world in general. Do you find still, you know, 20, it's 2020 right now. Do you find that the, the role of generating opportunities, top of funnel, um, appointment setting is, is looked upon as lesser still? Yeah, I do. I do. You wrote the book, so I'm not going to, my opinion is, you know, my opinion matters to me, right? But you wrote the book, so I'm going to take it as, as gospel from you. Does it drive you nuts? No. No. Okay. How come? It doesn't drive me nuts because there are other things that drive me nuts. Um, if you want to think of it as lesser and you're not willing to make the investment, um, like I was talking to a, a, a prospect the other day. Yep, we're going to have our SDRs called um, C-suite in healthcare companies. I'm like, are you out of your flipping mind? I uh, said, you might not be effective. <laughs> like, why would you have the weakest among you going after the C-suite? Why You're setting them up to fail. God forbid they actually get the person on the phone. They, they're not going to be able to establish empathy or credibility. Like, what are you doing? Well, that's, that's what, that's, those are the conversations we want to have. I go, well, there's a million ways you can get there, but it's not by using your SDRs. And certainly not at this point in time, do you want to be calling the C-suite and healthcare companies? So I think people, what we want has to be tempered by reality. Like this whole COVID-19 thing, it is a reality check. It is time to stop making up revenue numbers, throwing bodies against it, and being frustrated when it doesn't have it. Let's, let's all stop and think about what we're trying to accomplish and lay out really well thought out and well-researched plans to get us to our goals. Like this is a reset button, people. That, that yeah, that was is, my little rant. That was my little rant. I'm, I'm done. I'm glad. I, I asked if something drives you nuts, and you, you, <laughs> I, I put you into the mindset. I feel bad. Oh, <laughs> That's I'm an fine. interesting. <laughs> Good, you bounced back quick. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, so we, we've talked a, uh, quite a bit about the book itself, and certainly we'll we'll bring it back to that shortly. But your your organization does so much more. Um, I've not, full disclosure, worked with you uh, professionally or personally aside from reading your, your thoughts in this book. But tell us a little bit about the, the organization itself, the Bridge Group, because I, I think you just hit on one piece, which is I, I assume you guys have quite a bit of, um, of work in the strategic kind of setting, right? Yep, we do. So once again, B2B technology is our, uh, the vertical we're focused on. We have a variety of services that are focused on not only sales development, um, but also AEs or anyone quota carrying. Uh, it's virtual selling, phone, web, social media, video, whatever the case may be. Um, we help people figure out how to use those resources, what the strategy should look like, what's the process, how do I pay them, how do I measure them, how do I hire them, you name it. So whole strategic thing that we can help you put together. Or if you have a team and you're not getting what you need from them, we can certainly evaluate 
and course correct. But we also do tactical work. We write a lot of process, a lot of messaging. We do interim management. We do SDR training. As I mentioned, we do um, talent evaluations, both in the candidate side of the house as well as the sales employee side of the house. So whole suite of services. Um, that's, yeah. That's awesome. And, and so valuable, like right? Because, yeah, and, and, your, and your clients do too. Yeah, they the, do. The one component that is, um, I, I know something that you guys do in terms of service is also a, a word in your book, which is playbook. Because yes. you, you talk about sales playbooks. A lot, of, a lot of the folks listening to this podcast are going to be sales reps and sales managers naturally, um, not naturally, our, our client base and, and many of the folks that we work with are, are entrepreneurs in general. And the sales playbook is a hot topic. What, what does that mean? And kind of what are the components that you guys look at? Oh, this could be a long conversation, but a sales playbook is sort of your <laughs> Bible that lays out both your strategy your, and your process for how you're going to do customer acquisition. So who's our ideal customer profile? What do they look like? What's a day in their life look like? What challenges do they face? How are they currently addressing those challenges? Okay, great, now I know that. What value statements, what, you know, for their four major challenges, what are value statements that I can use in my voicemails, emails, conversations that show them that I understand their challenges? Um, you know, how often should I reach out using what medium? What story am I trying to tell with my voicemails, my emails, my LinkedIn connections, my videos? How do I use content? What do I do with my pre-call planning? Where does personalization fit in? How do I conduct a discovery call? Everything needs to be documented and in your sales playbook. Then when you execute against it, iterate, iterate, iterate. It's never one mm. and done iterate. I think you just mentioned every word I've ever heard professionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you, you, went, go. you went through every bullet point that has ever been uh, written in uh, at my desk. And I, I think that's, so that's, that's amazing. And, and I'm not trying to prove a point, but I asked a question a few minutes ago um, about lesser than, right? And the things that you just said certainly to me sound like a really challenging career, even, even if, you know, there are many, there are many professionals who stay in a role or move up within the sales development management track, leadership training. Um, you just described a lot of work is what I guess I'm trying to communicate. It is. Yep. It is. And, and it's the pipeline. Oh, sorry, bad choice of words. It's the, whatever, it's the pipeline for business growth, right? That's, yep. you need it. You need it clicking on all cylinders. You do, yep. So, so this is a joke, but when's your next book coming out? Because I, I want to have one of the first hundred, I'll pay for it, but like 200 copies, 500, the 500th copy you can send me after all of your friends and clients. Okay. I don't want to burst your bubble, Any, but... I I'm a one and doneer. Ah, yeah, okay. I'm going to tell you why. You know, 
I didn't want to write a book. I had no desire to write a book. My friend, Jill Conrath, who is a fabulous sales author, she's written many books, kind of like, you have to, you have to, you own the space, you need to own the space. Da, da, da. So it takes me a year to write the book because I'm still running my business. That was a tough year. I thought we would sell 500 copies because, you know, my friends, my family, my clients, we have now sold, I think we're almost hitting 30,000 copies of the book. And wow. I don't want to go through a year like that again, <laughs> ever again. <laughs> I'm afraid my second book wouldn't be as good as my first book. So yeah, one and done. Well, I'm going to say this because it'll sound super insulting, but it's actually a compliment. So I'm going to take advantage of it. I don't think it could be better either. I think your first book, your only <laughs> book is fantastic. Thank you so much. Yes. You are welcome. Trish, I'm, I'm going to let you get going, get on to the, the next pieces of your day before the the folks come back from golf or whatever <laughs> people whatever Floridians do during so they're they're at the beach by themselves and and before they start eating up all your bandwidth we'll I let know. you get back to work but I I honestly cannot imagine and and not all of my guests I don't have like an end where I say the same thing but I, I can't Thank you enough for joining. I've been excited for this discussion for a long time. And I, I'm not kidding. This book, for anybody that's out there um, considering beginning or fixing or even managing a little bit better a sales development team, they should either call Trish and her company. They certainly could call Engaged Prospect and our company, or they could just buy this book and at least get started on the right foot. This This is... Um, five years old, but it's a game changer. It's something that's still relevant today. And I can't tell you how much I love it. Uh, I've obviously spent, I think I spent more in the first year on your book than I took in salary. So <laughs> just for, for, for knowledge, that's how, how much I think of this book. And um, you're welcome. And thank you for joining us. Um, Trish Bertuzzi, founder and CEO of The Bridge Group. How Tell us, I probably just did, but tell us how, how they can find you and how they can find the book. So the book is on Amazon, um, or you can go to bridgegroupinc.com if you want to download a free, a couple free chapters first, but Amazon, tons of reviews, you can get it there in all different formats. Um, LinkedIn is my channel of choice. So um, I'm a... I've been a LinkedIn top sales voice for the past couple of years. It is my channel of choice to communicate. Um, so if you're interested in what I might have to say or what I'm thinking, definitely follow me on LinkedIn. And I'm easy to get in touch with. I'm just easy to find. I love it. That's fantastic. Thank you for joining. I have one last question and then you're off the hot seat. Sure. What is your absolute favorite thing to do aside from helping organizations and um, writing that one book or recovering from writing that one book? What's your, what's your absolute favorite thing to do outside of work? Golf. You live in a great place for that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Fantastic. I do. Well, hope, hopefully there'll be some golf on TV for you to watch and hopefully you'll be able to join a, a foursome and not have to have separate carts in the near future. Well, I just walked off the golf course at noon and we were all, it's touchless golf. So it's a, it's a <laughs> brave new world. It's a whole different golf game and you know what? It's still fun and it's all good. <laughs> 
I feel bad for the person who gets their first hole in one and wants to hug everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Trish, it, it, it was an absolute pleasure. H hang on just one second. And, and for everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, we look forward to having you back on another episode soon.